Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Manby, and on this show I'm talking to Seb Carmichael-Brown who as well as being a prominent personality in the world of golf, is also co-founder and commercial director of Hashtag United. For any listeners unaware of Hashtag, it's a football club founded in the mid-2010s by Seb and his brother YouTube personality Spencer Owen, which quickly amassed an impressive following across their social channels, especially YouTube. In 2018, Hashtag entered the English Football League system in the Eastern Counties League Division 1 South, the 10th level in the English Football Pyramid, and have now risen thanks to a recent promotion to the seventh tier, just three below the Football League. Last season saw the team notch up a record-breaking 21 wins in a row, and their women's team also won promotion, with Samantha Rowland winning the FA Cup Golden Ball Award for good measure. I'm looking forward to speaking with Seb about the realities of running a club in the lower leagues, how they managed to punch above their weight commercially, and how their YouTube following is, amazingly, bigger than most clubs in the Premier League. Seb, Welcome to the show. Well done. That is a long intro you've done there. There's a lot going. Eastern County, that's a lot. And my name's long enough as it is. So no, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much and good to be here. It was the Eastern Counties that yeah. I really struggled over. I mean, that's a that's a proper mouthful. Getting promotion just to get up in the Football League and have shorter divisions is uh, incentive enough, that's, I'm that's sure. That's the main goal. It's the main goal. So Seb, it might have been a long intro, but I'm sure it'd be far more useful to hear it from the horse's mouth. Can you tell us why you think... Hashtag is an important part of the English football landscape. Oh, wow. I think it's probably for other people to say whether we're important or not, but we're, we're certainly having a good time with it. Um, so, I mean, look, we, we've we come from the world of digital. It's sort of what our name stands for online, if you like. We try and be everything um, that the modern day football fan needs, especially in that digital generation, whether that's content, gaming, social, you know, the actual football itself, everything that the new generation of digital, I guess, natives, to use that word, um, is looking for. You know, the way in which certainly I connected with the game growing up was very different to how I think a lot of people connect with it now. For me, it was going to the match with my dad, going to the old bowling ground, um, West Ham. My first game, 1992 against Bristol Rovers, 4-2 win. I think Kenny Brown got on the score sheet for anyone of my generation remembers that. Um, but And then watching match of the day, you know, staying up late enough to... Uh, get past casualty and then watch uh, watch the highlights. I think now it's obviously online, it's social, it's games, it's computer, football computer games, it's FIFA, it's football manager, it's these sorts of things. So we designed Hashtag really to lean into that world. It's where, you know, Spencer built his name and his profile and his audience. So we tried to create a product that really resounded and became that of the people that spend their time in those areas really and been very lucky to do what, we, what we've done and do some pretty incredible things along the journey. So it started as a YouTube team and then it sort of morphed into a team um you know i say in inverted commas a, a proper football team in the english football league pyramid now english football can be a traditional place you know a lot of clubs play on the values of history tradition community 
In that context, did you experience any pushback or resistance to the growth of Hashtag? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say, we would devise our, our initial launch vehicle was a couple of years of content. We played in our own sort of exhibition structure, we went on some international tours to America, did all this cool stuff playing at Wembley out of the Premier League grounds, following like this narrative that was all built based around real football, um, around 90 minutes, official refs. But, you know, we created a narrative in the background that kept people bought into it beyond just the result. Um, and then when we completed that journey, then it had to evolve somewhere. So we had the options of making our own league and inviting other creator teams into it, which was a, one of the routes we were exploring for a long time. And then ultimately instead reaching out to the FA and saying, can we join your world and, um, and have a new adventure, which is can this team of YouTubers, uh, can they compete in the real world of football? Can we have our like Pinocchio moment with genuinely no idea whether we'd get smashed every week whether we could handle ourselves. I mean, we had some decent players. I played you know, reasonable level football growing up. A lot of my friends did, a lot of Spencer's friends did. So we amalgamated the best of the guys we could get involved. But we were all getting on a bit. Um, and uh, it was that we, you know, me and Spencer decided to stop playing at that point, which probably helped um, and brought in some new blood. And um, that was the story was, would, would we get smashed? Would we win? Could we compete? We've been winning all our own made up matches, you know, against our own opponents. But some of which are really tough. Like we, we played... We played in the Confederation of Independent Football Associations. We played a, a whole league season against them, like basically small countries, Barawa, Somaliland, all these sort of small independent nations. And we were getting some good results there. But anyway, so we wrote to the FA and one of the first things we were told was we might need to change our name. And we thought, oh, okay. And we were, oh, it's, not, it's not a place. And our initial response was, okay, so it has to be a place. The name. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a place. All right, where's Port Vale? And, and no one knows where Port Vale is. It doesn't exist. It's not a place. And there's many other examples like that of football clubs that don't have a name after a place that ultimately they're just football groups of people playing football as friends. Like my own club, West Ham, Thames Ironworks back in the 1890s. And it's just a, a work group of friends playing football is now a Premier League European champions, you know? Um, uh, so no different to that. We just formed from... Uh, the internet, if you like, as our group of mates. That's originally where the name came from. Spencer, before he had his own content, he worked for some different football production companies, even a footballer. He used to work for Vincent Company. And he put together a seven-a-side team based around people that worked in football online. So that was where the name Hashtag came from. So that was the natural name when we did our own team uh, online. And yeah, it does definitely gives people, I think, the wrong impression of what we are. Um, but that doesn't mean we'd ever want to change that because I think it... It's different enough. If we just called it, I don't know, something Essex or whatever, there's nothing that stands out about that as much. There's a thousand football teams out there with these names. There's not one named after punctuation of some kind, right? So um, it, it gives us that uniqueness, but it does absolutely give people a certain impression that we are anything other than same as any other football team, a group of people trying to take it seriously. When we did reach out to Nonley, we've got, we've got a proper manager, got Garo Stadium, had to make a huge amount of hires to build out the the team, take things a lot more seriously with regards to training, just like any other team does as they progress. And we've tried to navigate that with the greatest respect for non-league football. We have a history as a family in non-league football. My father has been a non-league physio in his spare time for well over a decade, nearly two decades. So we've been in and around non-league football for a long time. Some of Spencer's first ever content he made was... was um, making documentaries about East Thurrock football team who play in a similar level that we are at the moment, um, way before he became known, you know, have millions of subscribers on YouTube. So we've always been been involved in the space in some way or other. 
Um, so once people have got to know us, then we're not really that different on paper. Um, we've been accepted a lot better. We now have great relationships with a lot of the clubs that we play against. You know, we thankfully, we, we bring people often their largest gate of the season when hashtag come as the awaiting. Um, so there's a lot of benefits hopefully we bring to other people around us, but ultimately we're there to try and beat them and, and uh, win football matches and uh, continue to progress. But that, the other thing I'll just quickly say, we are really serious about doing this for a long time and properly. Like we, we've invested a lot of time and resources into merging with the women's team. Now hashtag United women's team will play an even higher level than the men. They play now at step three. So one below the championship, two below WSL. As you said, Sammy was the golden boot winner or golden ball winner of the um, uh, women's FA Cup last year. We have a youth team now, a hashtag United youth with 44 football teams. Um, we have a dementia football team. We have a walking football team. We have an inclusivity football team. So we're not just trying to do it for the YouTube views. We don't make videos about any of that stuff. We may well do it in the future, but it's there because it's what we're trying to build is a real proper football club. Talking about community, do you think hashtag is emblematic of the way that communities have changed you know i think that word community invokes all sorts of thoughts about some um, you know small villages and the town center and people you know mixing up and i don't know going to a sunday market or something like that but and clubs love that traditional clubs will talk about you know being at the heart of local community for 150 years but today's communities live online as much as they do physically and it feels to me like hashtag is emblematic of that I would agree. I've never really thought of it that way, but I think you're absolutely right. We hear the word community now most used in, in my world when it talks to people like audiences and, you know, communities online and people that share a common interest. And I think that's exactly what we tried to do is we're not, we're not, weirdly, we have found this, but it was never our expectation. We've never expected that people are going to become hashtag fans and stop supporting Arsenal. We've always felt that they're going to have their elite level football team, but if they're someone that spends a lot of time online and really associates with YouTube culture and online culture and these things that we can be their online football team. Um, but it has happened that we have now got people who define themselves as hashtag United fans, you know, um, and we're constantly blown away by, we'll be doing the commentary in, in, in Essex at our ground in Bowers and Pitsy and we'll have people come up to us at half time and they'll say, oh, I'm from Adelaide in Australia and I've planned a trip around your next three fixtures and I'm here for the games. We're like, hey, is nuts um, or, or people that have you know brought their children who have watched the videos themselves and now they're bringing their children to their first football which is hashtag and that child is growing up as a hashtag fan um, so yeah very much I think community online that's what we're aiming for I mean we are now spending more time thinking about how we build out the physical football club so doing the local and the community things in real person that I've just mentioned but ultimately the thing that's always been the backbone for us is that online community and that's how we've been able to basically fund what we've done is the fact that we can offer brand partners not just the local businesses in Essex to advertise with us locally but hundreds of thousands or millions of people online that watch the club can see the videos and we can deliver value to a nationwide companies or even global reach companies because of that side of it. You'll probably say that it's a mix of the two and I'm sure it is but Seb do you see Hashtag United more as a football club or a media brand? Very, very interesting question. The answer is it has to be both because without the media, the football club would not would not really be here. We wouldn't be here. But without the football club, there'd be nothing to make videos about. So I just think it's honestly the, the, the way of the modern world. If you were building a football club now from the ground up, you'd be making videos about it because that's that's the way of the world. Now. You need to get So how do you market yourself at all? If, if YouTube existed back in 1890, whatever it was, when West Ham were founded, they'd be making YouTube videos about it. So we're now seeing the Premier League teams and the other teams 
getting way more involved in their content and they've grown enormously in the last few years. It wasn't actually the case when we first formed. We'd have the Premier League teams very, very keen to collaborate with us. So they're trying to launch their YouTube presence. They'd give us the keys to the stadium. We could host a game. We've hosted a game at almost all of the Premier League grounds or even if not their grounds, their training grounds. And we'd make videos with them and collaborate and migrate over our audience to their platforms. And now as things have moved on, you now see the teams spending huge amounts of money growing out their own media teams, growing out their own content strategies that celebrate what they are to get their brand out there more to the world. So yeah, it's changed, changed tremendously in the last few years. Absolutely. I mean, the legacy though is still there. I was looking at um, your YouTube numbers and they are just phenomenal. You're obviously across all social platforms, but particularly YouTube is is extraordinary. I mean, what do you think you're doing differently? I understand where you started differently, but today you continue that. What do you think you're doing differently? That means you, your YouTube following and views, you may or may not know this, is bigger than any club in England other than the Premier League, Big Six and Everton. Yeah, it, we're, look, I, th- I think what are we doing differently? We're fortunate, we're told quite regularly that you know a lot of people have started documenting what they've done and there's a lot of online teams now. Others that have come out of nowhere or other more traditional teams that play lower down the levels that have started content. I mean, I'm not saying that we inspired Wrexham at all in any way, but you see those journeys have become popular now and you've seen teams making content and making journeys about them in a way they never used to do. And many of them have attributed that to, you know, seeing what what we've been able to achieve. I think that we were the we're the original one, right? We're the original YouTube football team that's gone legit and has made it into the into the you know the English pyramid of non-league and is working their way up. So we'll always be the first. I think now we're the first team, and I think the only team ever to be founded on YouTube that now plays you know step three non-league, you know one below the national league, the conference. So uh, there's no team even that has got into the, the non-league. I think there's a few that are maybe playing step seven, which is four leagues below us that have come and have dipped in and dipped out. But it's um, yeah to differentiate now in a very very crowded marketplace is different. So we always try to do things differently, but ultimately we we have the the benefit of being the original and being the you know the first one, and and that is um, I think at the time it was more about what we were doing differently then and showing things differently, and then obviously now there's a lot more content out there, a lot of teams doing similar things. So what we're always conscious that we keep recruiting not just younger players on the pitch, but people in and around the club in the media department to keep bringing those fresher ideas and bringing a fresh view on things or. You know, often being able to showcase the matches or the players around the matches in a way that you can't do if you're an elite Premier League team because you don't get the player access or because of other restrictions. Um, so we try and take advantage of that and do things originally and for the first wherever we can. I'm keen to talk fan base. Given the origins of the club, I would make two assumptions. Might be wrong, might be right. One is that you have a younger audience. You know, YouTube um, you know, appeals to typically a younger audience in a lot of Gen Z. In there. And the second would be a more geographically diverse audience. And I'm not talking versus Manchester United, who obviously have however many billion fans all around the world, but then your peers in the leagues that you play in, both men's and women's. I mean, you talked about someone coming over from Adelaide. Are those two assumptions fair? Um, they are, broadly. However, the the because the, we've been doing this so long now, Spencer's been making YouTube videos for over a decade. So... The original YouTube audience people perceive as, you know, teenagers, they've all grown up now. Our actual core audience now is between 18 and up to really 35, nearly even 40 now, especially with non-league. So it's a little bit more mature. We try to make content that appeals to everyone. So we will make content. We try to make family-friendly content, but we're not afraid from making real content. But we'll be aware that there's people from all ages watching us um, and try to to be mindful of that. But we don't make content... um, 
aimed too lowbrow or too highbrow, really. When I think of the average hashtag fan now, I probably think of someone in their mid-20s and but aware that there are people younger than that watching. You often always find that the ones that are most excitable are the younger ones uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but no, I think the, uh, I mean, some of the guys from Adelaide, I think they're in their 40s that came over. Um, we, we've got, yeah, he's largely UK, like 60% UK, then US, other big football, English-speaking football nations. But yeah, a little bit, a little bit older than you think possibly. There's obviously some elements of YouTube, some of the gaming, some of the Fortnite stuff that were obviously slightly a lot younger. But we, uh, we, we, YouTube's so broad now, right? That it's um, slightly, slightly uh, different to that. So does that become a bit of a challenge? I mean, you know, all clubs and, and brands in general, I think, are looking beyond Gen Z. You know, it's Gen Alpha who they're now thinking about. How do we attract those people? How do we make them fans? Is that all of a sudden a bit of a challenge? Whereas previously that was your, you know, your natural audience. Um, now you're having to work hard to get those younger eyeballs. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think we recruit fairly evenly. Football's a very broad way of getting to people. We still have roots in gaming, so we still make gaming content, which is very good for resonating with the, with the younger audience as well. Um, we have our own esports team. I think that uh, I wouldn't say it was a harder thing to do. No, I think ultimately. We're now reaching people with more disposable income. So for advertisers, that can be more valuable. Um, you can certainly attract larger numbers by if you focus content aimed at the younger demographic, you can do certain things in your content that will allow you to get bigger views if you target youngsters. But ultimately, those views are probably not as valuable for an advertiser. Not that we think necessarily that way, but it's always always relevant. You know, if you can... If you can market to someone who's got more money to spend on the product or instead of marketing someone that's got to rely on their parents to, to make a decision for them, then that, that could be more valuable. But what I think we sweet in a nice, nice sweet spot, really, sort of late teens to early 30s, I think that's that good sweet spot. We can, we can help to engage any partners we have with a, a good range of people. You mentioned the partners there. I'm keen to talk commercials. You are the commercial director after all. In terms of income, how does the revenue percentage split between match day versus commercial partnerships versus anything else? Yeah, so match day would definitely be a fairly smaller number. Um, the two bigger numbers would be commercial partnerships, absolutely. So our main commercial partners right now are Adidas, UFL, which is the soon-to-be-launched new f- football game uh, for for console. We obviously have Lucasade Sport. We have Socios. We also have now Canna, which is a, um, a plant and fertilizer company. Uh, we have, they are our main longer term partners, if you like. And then it's advertising uh, on the actual video. So the more views you get, you get a certain CPM. And that's another reason where different audiences you can reach, you get better CPM. Like for example, in my own golf content, it's harder to get bigger views in golf because it's a smaller market than, than football, for example, but you're you're paid more for views than you are in, in football, quite significantly more. So the CPM is better because again, it's deprived to be, or it's, decided to be a more affluent market and therefore advertisers will be more interested in it or some of those more luxury brands and these sorts of things. So um, that is, they're the two bigger revenues for us is advertising on YouTube, partnerships and sponsorships. Presumably that's quite different from other uh, clubs in the league who might depend more on match day revenue. Absolutely. And our biggest area where I think we can grow once we're, one of the biggest things we want to do is to find a permanent home. You know, we love where we play. We play at Bowers and Pitsy. It's a great stadium, 4G pitch, great vibes there, but it's not ours. Now, we, we only get the gate. We don't get food and beverage, which is a huge revenue for, for clubs. We just do not get any of it. We have to pay the rent on that place. The same for the women's team. We have to pay for an office, whereas 
a lot of other clubs who've over the last hundred years been gifted a bit of real estate they don't have to pay any money for they get revenue on it they get all their bar and take they get to rent it out to someone like us so there's a significant advantage for them there we of course have the media operation that brings in revenue but also has a big cost next to it as well you know one of the biggest misconceptions is that we like have bought our way to these titles we've never once had the highest playing budget in any of the leagues we've won in any of our three promotions male or female often mid-table to upper mid-table um, but we've been able to recruit really well and use our profile to help attract players and, and these sorts of things. But we have never gone and just like bought a league. Like a lot of people, especially our competitors, really think we've done that. They think that because of all the YouTube side, there's this big pot of money. And we're lucky with the revenues and partnerships we've got. But there's a huge expense we have to go to that they don't as well. So it's not like we're sitting here rolling in cash, you know, not at all. It's why commercial partners are so important for us is that we're only able to really advance as much as we can bring in new partners and grow those partnerships because without that, every promotion costs a huge amount of more money, not just in any playing staff, but in the travel, in the logistics and in the in the broadcast as well. So as commercial director, you're the one going out and selling the club to brands. What's the key message you try to transmit? I think we could fit into a really nice sweet spot. So there's obviously a lot of people love sponsoring sports or football teams, right? So we can do a big tick next to that box that we are a football team. We make sort of same sort of content as a football team. You could argue we give more access, but we do give more access to our players. But then equally, we're a YouTube channel. So we are this influencer, you know, not a term I like, but a term that's here to stay by the looks of it. So there's a lot of brands that are now spending more money in digital and influencer marketing. We're this nice little sweet spot. If people want to do some influencer marketing, but they're not really sure what to do. Oh, well, hang on, that's a sports team. And it ticks that box. I know what that's like. I've sponsored some football teams before. We're a very nice group in the middle of that. We know what we do. We've done it for a long time. We work with some of the biggest brands in the world uh, on huge, huge campaigns. So we're very savvy about how brands can get value from our content. We're also very savvy and very aware of how we need to protect the integrity of our audience that would support us by watching and not just shoving things down their throat that are not applicable to them or a lot of interest to them or that don't work into our content. Ultimately, the best brand partnerships we have where there's a, there's a company out there that want to work in our space, want to access the demographic we reach, but genuinely believe in our story and allow us to bring them in and have their own moment in time and be a, a driving force for something. Like, for example, Canna are going to be this year with our women's team. They're the front of the show for the women's team. We're making specific content with our women's team that allows us to invest directly in the women's team as they play at the highest level they've ever played at, you know, one below the championship. Um, and a huge level. I think there's going to have things like maybe four or five uh, overnight stays this year which we didn't have last year and that's like 25 people in a coach hotels to a game that's tens of thousands of pounds that's just got to come out of nowhere um, so that's the big misconception is that we, it's just some big money making machine we're very lucky that we we do turn a profit but it's a very small one and that money goes straight back into the club so the club is able to be self-sufficient which is the most important thing but we have to be very mindful of costs and we've lost some players this year for that we've gone up They've expected there to be this big payday. We said, we're not doing it. That's not within our model. You're gutted, but you have to go. Um, you know, if, if that's what's important to you, then fair enough. So we've tried to then recruit within our means. And ultimately, we could go and spend money that we don't make each year on trying to be competitive on the field. And then whether we do or we don't, we're screwed the year after. You know, that's what a lot of teams at this level do. They spend money that they haven't got coming in, just get a pot of money from someone somewhere, spend it. Oh, great. What do we do now? So we've tried to build out parts of the club in the youth team and the women's and all these other things that make a whole all-round club that can allow us to grow bit by bit to increase revenues, to increase incrementally. So we're not on some mad run to get to like League Two or something. We're not against that, but 
there's no way we can we can't afford it. You know, we need we need to take on serious investment. That's one thing we may be exploring. If there's the, the advent of all the uh, American interest in soccer now with the Wrexham journey, we see just today I saw Tom Brady's taking a stake in Birmingham City, um, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas in Leeds United. You know, if anyone wants to get involved in a club from the beginning and not uh, necessarily take over a historic one and have a little bit of that um, little resistance, as we should we say, maybe like the likes of the Crawley Town guys had, then we're 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 here to talk and see what we can do. Absolutely. There we go. You heard it here first. It's a sales pitch for investment. Um, no, I'm joking. It's uh, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you're quite selective then with the brands that you go after. Presumably, you know, maybe some more traditional local sponsor brands. That message might not land quite the same way that it would with a brand that's a sort of a bit more forward thinking, a bit more open, and a bit more interested in that second part that you talked about—the YouTube sponsorship on top of the um, the football club. Is that right? Do you find that sort of the message lands really well with some brands and, and, and not quite so much with others? I think it's changing. I think all brands are waking up to where the world's going now. So um, everything's going online, everything's going digital, social media content, every, everyone's making content now. So I think almost everyone is is in that field. I think we offer something pretty unique and different in that way. Um, so I think that, yeah, we're going to appeal to a certain, the brand's got to be interested in our space. They, 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 they've they got if they're hearing the word YouTube for the first time, then it's going to be a little bit trickier potentially. Yeah, for sure. But um, we're very lucky that we've been able to deliver great value for some big, big brands and some smaller ones. And that they've they've come back for more and more. You know, we often do long-term partnerships to get renewed. So um, yeah, it's um, it, we're, we're lucky that something's working. It sounds like there's scope for creativity. You know, yeah. you go beyond the traditional sponsorship yeah. of, um, you know, logo in XYZ places and, X number of tickets to games yep. to have that sort of possibility to create digital content to give access to players that must be attractive as a selling point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, some of our brands it does include a logo on shirt because you know ultimately that still reaches tens and tens of millions of people for the year. So there's a huge value to that. But the main thing with us is activating it through content and showing it and bringing the team into it to experience it. Whether that's venues, events, whether that's physical products, um, services, we're able to bring that to life in a, in a way that lands and our with our content being completely organic, now there's no like paid spend to get us reach. We, we're very lucky we reach a lot of people completely organically and they watch for a long time, you know. So our average watch time is, you know, well into the double figures of minutes per video. So it's not like, you know, some of the platforms where you get a view if you watch for three seconds and skip skip on. You know, this is real deep engagement. I think that's where the value has lied is that on YouTube, you've got a longer amount of time, so 20, 30 minutes in a video. There's a longer period in that video. You can naturally bring in a, a brand partner into that content and give a more deep, full, uh, deep and meaningful message to the people watching. So you've talked about one of the things that surprised me. I think in this in this chat is you've you've used words like long term and, and and you know future gazing and and sort of really thinking about what's coming. And I imagine it must have just been such a manic journey, um, you know, successful and brilliant and exhilarating. And every day and every year, sort of bringing new success. Do you have time? to sit down with Spencer and look forward and plot, you know, where do we want to be in one year or five or 10? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always difficult when things are so busy, but yeah, we do have a longer term vision of like, there, there was a vision that was to get to this exact point. Three years ago, we set a five term plan, five year plan to get to step three. And we are two years ahead of schedule, which is, which is amazing. Um, the, the biggest goal on our radar right now is, is genuinely one of those two things is to find our own permanent home, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean having to build or, you know, um, start from scratch somewhere because that takes quite a long time, is to find if there's an opportunity in our 
within our you know localish area to gain access to our own football stadium, either through a partnership with another club or through acquisition or through some form of, of, of those where we can have our own stadium that is ours, um, that we can have men's and women's team playing and training out base and office from there. That will, that will even further cement our sustainable future and allow us to build and plan more in the local area and talk about, you know, live match day experiences, really invest more in that. And then the other thing is to, we're so lucky with the journey we've had and the noise we've made and the opportunity to go onwards, not just with the men's, but also with the women's team on the, you know, touching distance of WSL is, is to see if there are people out there that have enjoyed our journey enough to maybe join it and see where we could take us. There is no reason why we can't keep doing what we're doing and travel up the divisions. It just sits outside of our current remit. We're not about to gamble everything and ruin everything by trying to do it unsustainably. But if we're able to form, form the right people and the right partnerships to allow us to do it sustainably with investment, while we can build out other things, similar to what Wrexham have done with the likes of Rob and Ryan, then that's a very exciting opportunity that we've never really explored. We don't have the resources ourselves to do that. Um, but, you know, the, <laughs> the sky is the limit with what we can do. We've, we, to get to where we've got to now from where we started is probably a lot harder to to fathom back then than us going a bit further and joining Wrexham, for example, really. That feels, as much as it requires an awful lot of money, it probably feels more um, more realistic than us ever getting to where we are now. I think a lot of people in football think there are ceilings, don't they? And you, and you have ceilings at different levels or closed shops is maybe a better way of saying it. You know, they talk about the big six being a closed shop in the Premier League, you know, unless you get uh, enormous investment. Or well, they've talked previously about, you know, getting into the football league is a is a um you know a ceiling to smash through and it's difficult because all of a sudden you need to have um you know under pitch heating and you need to sort of fit certain requirements and it can be very difficult for a club who hasn't had that previously Wrexham have changed that um and obviously you know there are reasons and and, and you mentioned Ryan and Rob who are sort of probably the the biggest reason do you see that as an inspiration do you think your ceilings just got a bit higher and things feel a little bit less closed because of what they're doing yeah, for sure. I think the American beast awakening is a big thing. Um, we've seen that with what we talked about earlier. But I think that is not that different if you think about it. Like we've catapulted our journey off the back of Spencer's online profile and audience is exactly what they've done with a Disney documentary being their equivalent of a YouTube channel that we've done to reach new people and grow an audience and grow revenue and using a people with existing reach in Rob and Ryan, just like Spencer did. He was a big YouTube creator that started a football team. And instead, they're big Hollywood stars that have bought a football team. And their YouTube video and growth is their Disney documentary. So it's really not that different if you think about it. So we could easily just up what we're doing, for example, um, because, yeah, they've made, they've done incredible things. And yeah, absolutely inspiring by what they've, what they've managed to achieve. And it's just very exciting with the amount of people and new interest that's coming into the, into the English football. How important is it to think differently? I mean, actually, Ryan Reynolds, if you think not just at Wrexham, but a lot of what he's done in his career, moving from, you know, actor to marketeer to, you know, global businessman, um, it feels like he's never been afraid to take uh, an unusual step to think in an innovative way and to, you know, think outside the box. I mean, I think of that with hashtag as well. I think that your very existence is, is down to an unusual sort of um, way of being and I saw that with the soccer tournament earlier this summer um, if listeners aren't aware it was a, a tournament uh, seven aside tournament I believe uh, hosted in North Carolina um, with a real sort of um, medley of clubs from hashtag to Borussia Dortmund and West Ham and um, a bunch yeah. of sort of 
Wrexham as well were there. Do you think, is that something you keep sort of insisting and reminding yourselves to remain innovative, even as you do sort of go deeper and deeper into traditional English Football League pyramid? Definitely. I mean, I think not because we feel like we need to. So I feel like it's just everything we've stood for from the beginning is like trying to make way for things or just not just doing things different for the sake of doing it different, but things that not being afraid of change and not being afraid of trying new things. If we think they're interesting for us and for the people watching, then like, why not? We just don't have those restrictions. Uh, that's the beauty of it. We just don't have that limitation of what we can and can't do. There are a few more limitations now than when we did our own YouTube stuff and our own sort of league structure that we invented. Obviously, there's FA regulation just to be mindful of and respectful of, but there's still a lot of things that we can do in our content that other clubs can't do because of you know the nature of the access to players or the you know the nature of players or whatnot. All our players, you know, they're all got day jobs mostly, um, so they're all regular guys and they're open to doing things, and that allows us to get way closer to the to the audience, to the fans, to the people, we, the partners we work with in, in so many ways. So we're always interested in doing things differently, not just for the sake of it. But if there's something that's like, oh, that sounds cool, no one's done that before, let's just do it. And we can do it like that. We can all get on a phone call, get on a Zoom call, right, plan, plan, done, next week, film it, shoot it, edit it. Within a week, it's uploaded and 100,000, 200,000, million people have seen it. Where other other big brands have to sit and plan and rounds of approval and this and that. And then, you know, you miss the opportunity. That thing was someone else has done it or it's just no longer relevant. Well, Seb, I can't wait to keep seeing these these innovative things, these spur-of-the-moment ideas. I can't wait to see the progress of, of Hashtag. I'd love to see you guys, men's team in the Football League, women's team in the in the Women's Super League. So um, I will be watching, uh, along with many tens of millions of other people around the world, uh, very eagerly. Seb, thanks very much for your time. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thank you. Last question, Seb. For anyone who's enjoyed listening to this interview and who you know maybe is learning more about Hashtag, what would you recommend they do as a next step? What would you like them to do? I just just head over to our YouTube channel, Hashtag United and Hashtag United Clips and just drop it a subscribe. Totally free to do. It uh, helps the club do that. It helps our videos get out there and you'll get notified when we upload stuff. And then, of course, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Hashtag UTD. And um, we'll keep you updated with what's going on. I hope to keep you entertained. Terrific. Thank you, Seb. There you go, listener. Please go and follow Hashtag on uh, YouTube and other social channels. And of course, from my side, please make sure you're following this podcast in your preferred podcast platform. Give us a rating, leave us a comment. They really do help. Thank you very much. All the best. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.